the DSO Connect podcast. I'm Casey. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're releasing this week's episode ahead of our usual Tuesday release schedule because our virtual retreat is this week. Yes, it's here, it's now, it's coming right up. And we just wanted to jump in your podcast feed a little early to remind you to register if you haven't yet already. So make sure that you register ahead of our retreat. It starts Tuesday, July 14th and runs through Thursday the 16th. And it is chocked full of amazing content to help you run a streamlined, sustainable dance studio. Wednesday is all classroom content. So bring your teachers along for the ride. We still have a few spots left. So head on over to our website, Dance Studio studioownerconnect.com to join us. So here's a breakdown of how the retreat is going to run. On Tuesday, we start at 9.45 Eastern time with a welcome from all six of us on the DSO Connect team. So I know you're used to hearing my voice and Robin's voice, but now you get to meet the other four amazing women behind this project. Then our first seminar is led by Robin, Tammy, and yours truly, and it's all about how to reevaluate and reset your studio as far as your pricing structure, policies, and financials to make it work for you and to be able to really thrive in this new climate. Next up is Amanda talking about how to harness your inner leader and guide your team to success. Then Amanda is joined by Heather to share how to grow a strong community at your studio so your dance family can survive whatever comes your way. I don't know about you, but I'm really excited for this one. I do feel like my dance community kind of fell apart there in the midst of COVID. And so I'm excited to learn from these two women about how they kept their community together. After a break for lunch, Holly and Robin will tell us about marketing and social media in this new age. And then after that, I'm back to share how to make your virtual platform part of your new reality and bring in some more revenue for you. After a Q&A session, then we have a bonus seminar all about two platforms that we really, really love here at DSO Connect, Kajabi and Trello. Robin and Holly will fill us in all about how you can make these programs work for your business. Then on Wednesday, it's all classroom content. We've got sessions on ballet, tap, jazz, contemporary, and improv, tips and tricks for effective teaching on Zoom. Plus, our dear friend Trish Melton joins us for a session that you will not want to miss on building your hip-hop program. At the end of the day on Wednesday, we're hosting a virtual cocktail party because we are all about connections. So this is a time to mix and mingle, network, share ideas, and make some new friends. Now Thursday, Thursday is what I think is the most exciting part of this whole retreat experience. Have you ever gone to one of those big conventions, you've collected an overwhelming amount of ideas and information, and then you get home and you don't know where to start. You've got this folder full of handouts and notes and it just sits on your desk and you never wind up actually doing anything with all the content that you've received. Well, here's where Thursday comes in. This is where you get to pick three topics from our Tuesday presentations to work on and implement together with your presenters. We'll go into breakout rooms on Zoom and sit down together and get shit done. So that way, when the whole thing is over, you've already got this implemented strategy, you've got plans done, you pick three topics and you get so much done in those three hours. So what are you waiting for? If you haven't signed up yet, head on over to our website, dancestudioownerconnect.com to sign up. We start this Tuesday, the 14th, so do it now. Pricing options start at just $97. This is an experience you will not regret. 
I promise. I guarantee it. (laughs) You can hold me personally responsible. All right, so now let's get into this week's episode. We are going into the vault for a conversation back in April 2019 about what we wish we would have known when we first started out as studio owners. This is a real treat because it features all six of us on the DSO Connect team, plus our good friend and member, Dana Tibbetts, brings in some great insights as well. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and I hope to see you this Tuesday through Thursday at our retreat. Hi everybody, I'm Heather. Today is going to be our roundtable to discuss things that we wish we would have known before we bought our studios, tips for the people who just bought their studios, what would be the one piece of advice that you wish you had been given and give that out to everybody and just kind of Maybe what's your one question that you have now that you've taken the plunge? And for those of you who don't know, I am in my seventh year of owning my studio. So um, I'm still learning as we all are, even in, you know, 25 years, 50 years, we still grow and we still learn. The one piece of advice that I wish I would have known, get yourself a good team. (laughs) That is probably my biggest struggle right now. So I now have a team that I can rely on and it's just a matter of, getting them the information consistently along with getting parent information out and running a studio and planning a recital and organizing a competition team, all of the things just kind of pile up. So if I can give you any piece of advice, it would be to get yourself a good team. (laughs) So who wants to go next? I'm Tammy. I think the biggest thing that I wish I had known when I first bought my studio was not to be afraid to do what my thing and make sure that I was following my vision for my studio. Um, I feel like there's a lot of pressure to, you know, follow the mold, especially when you get clients calling up and they're like, well, so-and-so down the street does this and, you know, we're not going to come here unless you do it kind of thing. That was hard for me to get past when I first I've been, I, my little kid program has been awesome lately. Um, I'm struggling with um, keeping them as they get older in high school. I'm losing a lot of people to dance team and stuff. So um, I guess my questions are revolving around attention and I'm really trying to make that my focus this year coming up in summer and everything. Hi, I'm Casey and I wish I would have been a little bit more um, well, I'll say a little bit less naive and trusting. I started my studio with a business partner who I truly believe had good intentions, but just didn't treat me particularly well. And I trusted him entirely. And I, you know, I was doing operations and he was doing, you know, all the business side of things. And I never had eyes on any of the money until we split. And so I had to get my head wrapped around what was going on on the financial side of things. And, you know, he just, he made things really difficult in a lot of ways. And I still have a lot of resentment towards him, but I also have a lot of gratitude towards him because he financed my dream, you know? So it's a really, it's kind of a weird place to be. Um, You know, without his help, I wouldn't be where I am now, but also he kind of really screwed me over in a lot of ways. So it's a double-edged sword there. And then, so, you know, when you're going into business with a partner, just make sure, like, I think it can work. Um, 
you know, like DSO Connect, we've got six people <laughs> running this together and it's working because we're all very clear about what our goals are. We're very clear about what's going on and, and how we're managing this together. And we're, you know, all six of us are an open book to one another and that's working. So I think it has to be really, really level. If you're going to, if you're going to go into anything with a partner or multiple partners, it has to be even, it has to be 50, 50, because if one person has a little bit more, um, power than another, it can become really nasty. Um, likewise, you have to be very careful about who you trust from a vendor point of view, other businesses that you interact with. There's a lot of really predatory people out there. And I think for some reason, people have caught on to industries like dance studios being, you know, one of those one of those businesses where the owners might not have a whole lot of business experience so they can be preyed upon more. Be very careful about who you trust when it comes to your credit card processing company. I'm still locked into a contract right now with a credit card processing company that's charging me almost $100 a month for a service that I do not use. And, it is, and I can't get out of it. So I think what I'm actually going to do is just close my bank account and open with another bank <laughs> so they can't take my money anymore, but it's driving me crazy. It's absolutely insane. So just really be clear about, you know, who you're going into business with from a you know partner standpoint and from a vendor standpoint. And there's a gajillion scams out there. And I think DSO Connect is a really good resource for having some eyes to look at something if you're not sure like hey i got this weird email what do you guys think and like we you know the more experienced people can be like oh yeah i've gotten that a million times that's a horrible scam or you know oh that looks like a good opportunity definitely go for it um because your time is also money so don't be afraid to spend money ask for help and be careful about who you trust i think those are my three things awesome thanks casey um who wants to go next okay go for it robin what I wish that I would have done differently when I first opened was to not give it all away. You know, there, there's a time when your business is new, when you feel like you really need people to buy into what you're doing, to buy into your dream. You want students, you know, they just can't afford the tuition. So you cut a deal with them. And next thing you know, you've got all these students at your studio that aren't contributing financially to make the dream work. Um, that's a really slippery slope that I got caught up in in the olden days of my business. And it wasn't until the recession, when was that, like 2007, I had a, um, an office manager that I had hired and we were really tweaking, um, you know, like filling up the holes in the bottom of the boat so that we wouldn't sink during this recession. And what we realized was there were so many students who are just on this free ride and it wasn't, what really wasn't fair. You know, we would have families who would say to their, their children, um, sweetie, we can't go to Disney World this summer because we choose to do dance and we need to make choices in life. And then you'd have others, other parents who would come to me and say, um, you know, we can't afford dance. Can we have some sort of financial aid? And then I give it to them and then they get to go to Disney world. <laughs> and, you know, there are many families who do make sacrifices in their lives to afford dance for their children. 
and um, they won't ask you for help. And they are just silently giving things up on the sidelines or in their own lives. And that's not to say that, that you can't help families, but what we've done is um, we've implemented a, a consistent work-study program across the board. So if a family legitimately cannot find it in their budget to pay for dance, and, and people get caught up in, on hard times, um, certainly I'm here to help in as long as you're willing to do your part. So you're going to be cleaning, or your child is going to be in our student-teacher program, or you're going to be sewing costumes, or the dad is going to be building a prop, or whatever. And that way, um, the family is invested, and they're not you know, having a free ride or, and no one's being taken advantage of. I don't want anyone to ever say, um, it's not fair. This family is getting, and, and it's nobody's business, but it's across the board. It's even Steven. Nobody is um, being taken advantage of. I wish I, I would have done that earlier. That's Robin, let me ask you for your work study. Is that open to basically anyone who wants to apply? Um, I usually don't engage in work study opportunities with a family that's brand new. Mm -hmm. If you walk in and ask for it, I'll usually be like, mm -hmm, uh, that's not really something that we offer. Um, once I know a family and they're invested and, and you can kind of take their temperature and, and know their level of commitment, are they flaky, are they committed, is the child really interested in this activity, um, then I can, I can proceed after that. But very rarely would I do it um, with a brand new family. It's just weird. Oh, I just thought of another thing that I wish I, well, that I still constantly have to remind myself of is not to, not to compare yourself to other studios or other teachers or other programs. And I think especially when, you know, you're following 8 million studios on Instagram or, you know, you're in these big studio owner groups and somebody comments about how they just got their 8,000th student or whatever. It's like, you cannot compare your journey to another person's journey. And I think when Robin and I had our conversation and you were talking about that, that, um, that office manager or business manager person and how like that's when you started seeing really shifting your perspective and your focus on your business as a business. And that was what? That wasn't until you like were... So yeah, that and that was how 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 far in how many years had you owned it by then? Owned your studio by then? The um, twelve plus five, maybe seventeen years in. Yeah, so that I kind of like made me take a step back and take a deep breath and like, oh my god, like it's okay to still be struggling in year seven or eight or ten, and like, and I'm sure Robin in year what are you twenty four, twenty five now? Twenty eight. Oh shit, <laughs> 28, like you still certainly don't have it all figured out yet. So like, it's not an easy breezy experience for you either. Um, certainly it's less of a struggle than when you were, you know, first starting out. But like, just to remember that you don't have to have it all figured out ever and it will get easier along the way. But to compare yourself where your studio is now to somebody who's in year 28 is not fair to you or your students or your teachers right. or anybody. Sure. So like, it's okay. Acknowledge their success and be happy for them and then focus on what you have to focus on. Yeah, and I will say that over the years, um, there have been major milestones that I can recount where I had this light bulb moment. Um, our studio was in Baltimore from 1992 to 2002. Um, so for those 10 years, I 
was a very naive and a lot of my the moms at my studio were older than me so I felt that I was taken advantage of and, and I didn't have the confidence to um, stand up for my policies and defend them and I was I was manipulated a little bit and my husband I, I say this all the time my husband's paycheck paid my teacher salaries many a month and um you know, that was rough. But then when I moved to uh, New Freedom, it's a whole different community. Now we're kind of in the country and, you know, there, there's more expendable income that parents have to spend on their children. And parents uh, just stepped up to the plate to follow the rules. And I realized in that moment that while there were a lot of really good things that I did in Baltimore, there were also a lot of mistakes that I made. And this was a clean slate where I could say, you know what, I'm going to keep all these good things and I'm getting rid of all this bad stuff. And, you know, when people would say to me, oh, $30 registration fee, mm, do you ever waive that? Or I used to, you know, how a dog can smell your fear. Your customers can smell that fear too. And when you're like, oh, kind of apologizing for your registration fee, then they just grab onto that. Next thing you know, you're only charging a registration fee for half your people. How is that even consistent. So I, I realized, um, you know, these are the policies, these are the rules, and this is my studio. And when you come in as a customer, you're going to agree to these policies. And we're entering into a contract of mutual respect. You will do X, ABC, and I will do XYZ. And this is this is it laid out. And you don't need to be embarrassed about that. You don't need to be ashamed about that. That's what makes a good business person. You know, and when you, when you stand with confidence and say, um, oh, no, we don't waive our registration fee or whatever it is, then usually the customer is going to back down and, um, because you are confident in your reasons for doing things. And once you gain that momentum in your business and people are looking around and seeing that, um, wow, this business is really thriving. I guess she does, you know, have something going on here. I guess I need to jump on board and go with the flow. Then it, momentum just kind of takes over. So hold your ground. No, believe in your policies. And if you don't believe in a policy, why do you have it? We also have a comment from Vivette. She wasn't able to join today, but she shares. My advice after 44 years is to start how you'd like to finish. Put policies in place and stick to them. Develop a strong backbone and a thick skin. And don't think that every studio needs to have a competition team. <laughs> but I think that's like that's kind of like a really concise way of putting it. Start how you want to finish. Like that confidence, that strength, that you know commitment to your policies. I think that's a really great way to say it right there. I would say that um, one of the things I'm glad I did was I didn't take out any loans. When I opened my, my studio, I started small and I cash flowed everything. And that was really a blessing just to not have that giant debt hanging over my head. And then um, the other thing I'm glad I did was to purchase our building when we moved to New Freedom. So all the improvements that you're putting into your, your space are not, you know, to benefit your landlord or just going to be demolished when you know, a hair salon moves in after you. So I think that if, you know, certainly that's not always possible for people, but if you can just kind of be very careful about the debt that you incur, don't bite off more than you can handle and make sure that um, you're not, 
just because you have a hundred thousand dollar loan doesn't mean you have to get you know a twenty thousand dollar dance floor you can still be frugal with the money that you borrowed and um you know don't blow it <laughs> all on some sort of extravagance that maybe isn't needed if you have a very big preschool program you don't need a twenty thousand dollar sprung floor you know you can get away with a wood floor with a nice marley over top or even shower pan liner and you know certainly we want to be safe to our students and we want to have a a facility that looks nice and you know is up to, to standards but you don't have to go crazy with spending a ton of money to open your studio yeah, yeah, I agree. I My business partner took out a loan when we first opened and did a bunch of renovations to the space that we rented. And it looks really, really great, but we didn't need all of that. He hired painters. I'm like, I could come in and paint with my boyfriend and a couple of friends and we could get it knocked out. And he's like, no, 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 no. We need the professionals to do it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're a dumbass. Like, <laughs> it's okay to spend money, but spend it wisely. Don't be so afraid of letting go of your, of your hard earned cash. And, um, you know, like it's okay to make purchases, but at the same time, make sure it's that you're doing it incrementally as you, as you build. A comment we got on Facebook, Jade says, I wish I knew how to obtain funding for my business before leaping into it. All of my profits go right back into the business so I don't really see it. So maybe Jade is one who like a small loan to start out would have been good um, for her. Um, another comment from Vivette says, how to get people to see it as a true business and treat you thusly that I should have bought my building 20 years earlier and not thrown away so much rent money. Yeah, I think you're, if you're in a place where you know you're going to be at that location for a long time, you've got, you know, good customer base, the demographics are working in your favor, and the space is good, then if you're able to buy it, do that. <laughs> um, Holly says that I would have started drinking wine sooner. <laughs> it would have alleviated so much stress in my life. <laughs> Which I think is like a fun way to say self-care is important. <laughs> and then she says, looking back, I wish I would have spent more time with my kiddos. I did when they were little, but as they were in middle school and high school, they were running everywhere and I was running. I wish I would have taken more time off and spent it with them. I think that's really important. Like you can get really swept up into how important your studio is to you and spending every second of your life there. But when it comes down to it, it's just your job and the other people in your life matter so much more. Yeah. As I've been a member of DSO Connect and I've had people who I, who I see, okay, they are not in their studio every day, every minute of every day. That is a possibility. It's not something that I ever knew existed because all the studio owners that I know have constantly been running their studio and teaching and letting everything build up around them. But when you start seeing your studio as a business and start running it as a business, it's going to be seen as a business. So it kind of starts with your mindset. Like when you confidently tell people that your registration fee is your registration fee and that's what it is. When you confidently tell them, I am a business owner, I'm running my business as a business, not a hobby dance studio. It kind of morphs into what you, what you want to see. And the sooner you do that, the more freeing it is. Yeah. And one thing to keep in mind is like you are like you, your parent, the parents of your children are experts on their children. They're not experts on, on your business. They're not experts on dance. You are the expert of your business and they are coming to you 
because you are an expert in what you're doing. Um, at this point, you know, I've been, I've owned my business and I've been teaching dance longer than most of my customers have been parents. And I have to remind myself of that. Like, even though I don't have kids, I still know more about children and especially children in a dance studio environment and how to educate them properly than they ever will. And sometimes I just say that, like, I've been doing this a long time. You're an expert on your child. I'm an expert on on children in the dance studio. I've been doing this longer than you've been a parent. Please trust me. I will trust you when it comes to, you know, what your kids' preferences are, how to tr- how they need to be heard and respected and all of those things. But please trust that I'm the expert in here. And even just being that confident and saying that, they're like, oh, oh. Finding that confidence in yourself will, you know, goes a long way, especially as a young studio owner, especially as a young studio owner who doesn't have kids. Um, I've definitely faced a lot of issues with that. Like I was 24, 23, I forget. I was 20 something when I opened my studio and I still get people who like talk to me on the phone and I, you know, introduce myself as the owner and then they come in uh, for their first class or their tour or whatever they're like, oh, I spoke to the owner on the phone. I'm like, yep, that's me. They're like, oh, no, I think you know, it was the owner. I'm like, yes, that's me. <laughs> oh, so wait, what are your credentials? <laughs> like, now you want to know? <sighs> it's maddening, but it's, but it's real. Yeah, so being, being confident in what you're doing is really important. Well, I was just going to say, too, on the, on the lines of customers, I think another thing that's really important that I learned way later <laughs> in owning my studio is there's that saying, customer's always right. Well, I, that's, you know, how I went in at first thinking, well, I have to, you know, make sure I'm always making the customer happy. But then finally, one day I was like, screw that. <laughs> They're never going to be happy. <laughs> that's not true. They will be happy. But I think it's important to make sure that you, you have your ideal customer and your ideal client. And that's who you worry about you know, trying to do things about being happy and, and things like that. And those people that are just not happy, you know, it's like, bye. <laughs> and not being a slave to that customer is always right. Cause that, I, I understand some businesses need to do that, but I don't think our business is that type. No. And there are plenty of studios around. There is a place for that child to dance and do not take it personally. If that place is not your studio, you're not the right fit for every student, parent, and teacher, and don't take it personally when they leave. And, and don't be afraid to tell them that this and, is not- And don't be afraid to tell them, exactly. Like if you, you know, like I don't have a competition team at my studio. So I had an, a, like a pretty significant mass exodus of students at one point who left to go do the whole competition thing. And at first I was crushed and heartbroken because they were my strongest dancers. They were like my core kids who were there five days a week. So I, I took a huge hit financially, spiritually and you know, emotionally. I was missing those kids that I invested in so much. It's like, yeah, you can take some time to be have like your little self-pity party, but then just get over it because they, they're still dancing. So I'm happy for that. And they're happier at the studio that they're at now because they get to compete. And those parents were my biggest pains in my ass. Like they were so demanding. They questioned everything that I did. They clearly weren't satisfied with what we were doing here. And when I finally like got over the self-pity part of it, I realized that my life was so much easier 
it was so much better. Those were the parents that were starting gossip in the lobby and getting, getting people worked up about stuff that really wasn't significant at all. And it just really, it was a blessing in disguise because it allowed me to really kind of solidify my vision. And instead of trying to make these people happy, that just weren't going to be happy with no matter what, like I was able to really focus more on the families that were happy and the students that didn't need that competition experience and, and to provide more for the students that I did have. And it was, it was really great. (laughs) It was really, really great. So don't take everything personally. It's a really hard lesson, but it's really, it's really, really important. I think that also plays into running your studio as a business. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's business. It's not personal. Right. Yeah. And like those students that I lost that year, like they probably look back and have fond memories of me, but they're not going to change their life for me. Like I was ready to, for them, when it comes down to it, you're just their dance teacher. And really they're just your customer. You love them and you're invested in them, but they are just your customer. You cannot make everyone happy all of the time. You can probably make most of the people happy most of the time, but you can't do it for everybody constantly. This is your life and you have to make decisions that are going to be good for you. And it's going to maybe not be the perfect decision for everyone else there, but it's not their life. (laughs) It's just a really small sliver of their life and that's okay. Casey, I had a similar experience um, recently, a group of dancers, my studio is um, very well-rounded in terms of we require our students to take ballet, modern, tap, and jazz, and so nobody just takes ballet, or nobody just takes tap, and I had a group of dancers who decided that they only wanted to study ballet, and I went through, like you, it was like, oh my gosh, I stand to lose a handful of dancers that I really care about. You know, they were like entering high school and they've been with me for a while. And I kind of went into a little bit of a tailspin and I met with the parents privately and I was saying, well, maybe we can start an accelerated ballet program where you can still perform, but you're just doing ballet. And one of the dads said to me, and he was very kind and very smart, and he said, Robin, you should not be changing your business three families. Your vision is strong and what your, your program is strong. Don't bend it to accommodate us. We've enjoyed our time here. We're going to leave to pursue something that's totally different from you. It's not a failure on your part. It's just that what we're looking for is not what you offer. And I, it was like the end of the meeting. I said, well, I guess that's all there's to say. And I felt a little embarrassed, but I was very grateful that he said that because I felt like I was groveling and begging, you know, trying to accommodate this family that was clearly saying, you know, I don't want to eat at this restaurant because I don't feel like Mexican tonight. I'm going to a Chinese restaurant because I want Chinese. It's not that I hate Mexican. I just don't want Mexican right now. So anyway, that was a really good thing. And then one other thing I'll, I'll leave on is um, the same thing goes for your te- teachers that work for you. Um, over the years, I've had several teachers who have left, and you, you less and less, and I've, I've, I don't, this doesn't happen to me anymore, but back in the olden days, when a teacher would leave, you would feel like, how am I going to go on? How is my business going to survive without these, this teacher? They're so important. And my dad said to me once, solution mode, like, thanks for letting me know, it's been real, hug and kiss, 
see you later. Now I need to figure out what's next, but I'm not going to cry over you. And I, I, I got I to gotta fix it, move on, and we will survive because EMC is not Miss Susie. EMC is my vision, and it will continue to be that way. Yeah, Dana, go ahead. The big thing when I started my studio is that I'm really small, and there's like one of those powerhouse competition studios down the street that I kept trying to be like, why can't I be like them? And then this year, I finally actually realized that, oh, they're coming here because they like what I have. And I kind of started to finally embrace like kind of my niche. Like I'm more like family oriented, like more a little bit laid back. I'm not like crazy powerhouse competition. <laughs> and that was like the biggest lesson I've learned in, in my fourth year is to not compete with something that I'm not. That's huge. And then you yeah. can use your, what makes your studio different as a marketing, as a marketing strategy. And because there are lots of people that are going to be more attracted to what you offer than what that, you know, mega studio is offering. So you just need to attract those right people. Yeah, that's huge. And I think like listening to your customers that are coming over from a different studio is really important. And it's okay to ask like, oh, do you mind if I ask like, you know, what was your experience like there? And if it's positive, they're going to tell you something positive. And if it's negative, you know, they're going to tell you what it was. You don't have to say, oh, why, why did you leave? What didn't you like? Just say, can, can I ask about what your experience was like? Um, and I was getting from, from two different studios, a lot of people were coming to me one saying the classes were just too big. They were, there were like 20 kids in a class of like six-year-olds with one teacher and one assistant, and it was bananas. And then from another studio, they were saying um, they were just mean. Like in a four-year-old class, they were just yelling at the kids, and we didn't, we didn't like it. She was crying and didn't want to go to class. And so then I focused, I like laser focused all my marketing about small class sizes and a nurturing environment and um, developmentally appropriate preschool age classes. And that got the right kind of customer to meet, people who wanted that kind of environment. Validating, and it makes you feel like you're doing something right and your competitor is doing something wrong. But I outgrew that feeling, I don't know, maybe just five years ago, when I realized that those parents that will bad talk another studio are, will also bad talk you. And they usually hop from studio to studio, they're never happy, and they're talking about you at the grocery store or in the preschool line or you know, at that next dance studio. So I never trust a person who will do that. It's always nice to hear the information, but don't engage, and then just be, be a little leery of them. I wouldn't really trust them entirely. Absolutely. If they're too eager to tell you all the bad shit that went wrong at the other place, then mm, be careful. And it's perfectly okay if a new family comes in and says, oh, I hated this studio because of X, Y, and Z, and you also have X, Y, and Z at your studio, it's perfectly okay to say, oh, well, we have a lot of those same policies and systems in place here. Let me recommend another studio to you that might be a better fit. And when you, when you frame it in a way of, it sounds like you're saying that you need something else. Instead of saying, oh, well, you're not going to like it here and we're kicking you out. Frame it in a way of what I'm hearing from you is this. Yeah. Just translating what they're saying frames it in a way that it's their idea, not yours. Right. If you don't want a huge recital with a costume fee and a ticket price of $25, then this is not the place for you. Let me recommend the YMCA. 
Right, exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. we're always looking at numbers and we always want to close that deal with a new customer, but it's only going to be a matter of time before they figure out that your studio isn't right for them. And then they're going to leave with a bad taste in their mouth after giving you a headache. Mm-hmm. And then, and then potentially they're going to be the family that goes on to say, oh, don't go to that studio. She's super rude and is just money grabbing. Like, you don't want that out there either, rather than the only conversation that they have with you being, oh, you recommend a different studio? Like, I have all the time people come in and ask me about, do I have a competition team? And I say, no, I don't. And here's, here's why. And here's what we offer instead. Yeah, that's great. And it takes a lot of confidence in your own program to be able to do that. You yeah. come, I mean, imagine if you went into a salon or something and said, you know, this is what I'm looking for. And they said, oh, sorry, we can't help with that, but we can recommend this place. You would leave feeling very, I, I think you would respect that salon owner for yeah. wanting you to have your hair done exactly the way you want it by someone who's experienced in, in that kind of thing. Right. And you wouldn't leave thinking poorly of that salon owner. You would think, oh, well, they just really sacrificed their own, a little bit of their own income in order for me to be a satisfied customer. Right, exactly. Well, I think we can wrap it up here. I want to thank everybody who joined us today and shared their insights. And I feel like this was a really good conversation. So thank you all so much. And we'll see you next time. 